Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Good evening, sir. Good evening. And that voice that you can hear is Mr. Jake Rusby, who joins us on Book Corner Extra Time for an episode of Match of My Life. A little bit like Match of the Day, the old, I almost feel as though I'm going to break into song there. But it's Newcastle United's Match of My Life, your book with Alex Crook of Talk Sport fame. Before we get into the book and what it's all about, I want a little bit of a backstory about what you're all about, Jake. Well, I wasn't actually expecting that question. So uh, <laughs> I live in the northeast. I've lived up here for about, about 10 years. I moved up from the south yeah so it's about 10 years ago where um when i was in the south i was a a football journalist and a news journalist i moved up here and changed career and i've got a pr company now Uh, i've got a wife and two kids up here live by the sea and apart from it being a few degrees colder up here than it is uh where i'm from uh, i couldn't be happier to be honest and as i say i've got a background in news and in sport and i've I've always been a big football fan i'm actually an arsenal fan and uh but being in the northeast, you get a real, uh, real flavour for what proper football fans are like, and they are obsessed with their football up here. And it's just the idea—it was the ideal place for me to to, to do this book. And it's been a real uh, labour of love. It's been about a year that it's been in the, in the making, and it only came out uh, Monday this week. And it's just been basically—it's a dream come true for me. I've always wanted to to, to write a book. And so to finally do it, it, it literally has ticked one of my big uh, to-dos off my bucket list. So this is your first book. Um, yes. You've written it with Alex Crook. How did that connection come about and what were the dynamics of the book? There's 23 players that you've spoken to about various games. So we're going to dip into that. But your connection and your friendship with Alex Crook, how did that come about? Sure. So as I said, I moved up from the South Coast. So I'm from London, but before I moved up to the Northeast, I lived in Portsmouth. Uh, and I had a, I got a job in Portsmouth. The reason I moved down there, my wife was down there at the time and I was looking for a job in Portsmouth. And I found this news agency, uh, a news agency for people who don't know. Uh, is uh, So it's an organisation that provides a lot of uh, stories, news stories for national papers, magazines, TV, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you read if you read a national paper, uh, the majority of what you see in there is is agency copy, as it were. So you know, think of PA, Reuters, places like that, but a much, much, much smaller version. So when I moved down to Portsmouth, Alex had this news agency. So he interviewed me uh, for this job. We met. We had an interview in the pub, and I had a pint of water, which he always. Uh, it always reminded me of i know i was nervous and i wish i didn't i didn't want my uh, faculties to be at all uh, diminished by alcohol at the time um, little was i to know how many times i'd return to that that uh, pub and not order a pint of water in the coming years <laughs> so I, I met alex through, through work and um, i moved away i moved away as i said about 10 years ago and 
this will lead me on to sort of telling you how the book came about because I've stayed in touch with Alex and when I moved away, uh, Alex owned this news agency, which was called M and Y, M and Y, with a gentleman called Pat Symes. Now, Pat Symes was very well known on, on the South Coast uh, as being a sports journalist, used to uh, like a real, a real mm. somebody down there. Uh, he wrote he wrote books with Alex actually. So the two of them wrote a few of these Match of My Life books after I left. They did one on Bournemouth. They did one on Southampton. They did one on the Arsenal as well actually, which I was a bit annoyed they didn't ask me to contribute towards, considering it's my favourite football team. But they they did these three books. Uh, they may have done more actually. I can't. I think it was three. And then last year, Pat. Uh, he sadly got terminal cancer and he died. Uh, and yeah, it was a big loss for Alex, a loss for me too. And I went down to Portsmouth for his funeral. I flew down for his funeral last year and um, it was just basically one big piss up because that was the sort of journalistic thing to do. No you know. water. No, well, yeah, you know, he was the kind of guy, you know, he was from the, the Fleet Street days Old where, you know, you'd, yeah, you know, you'd, you'd file your copy down the phone in the yeah. park you know that kind of thing so we had a few drinks it was like a brilliant way to honor his life it's what what he would have wanted and uh, i came back to to newcastle the following day i flew up and i was on the plane and i wasn't feeling too too hot to be honest after a heavy night and i just had this idea and i just thought oh man going back to newcastle that would be the place to release a book about you know favorite uh, players favorite games because at that point the takeover had happened so if you think that newcastle fans were uh, you know, supportive and uh, you know, passionate beforehand. Yeah. You know, obviously, they've, they've seen they've seen the Ashley era. Era, you know, they haven't had success in you know, over fifty, over fifty, yeah, over fifty years, fifty-four years since their last trophy. And now they're just after the takeover. I just thought there's so there's so much positivity around the place. That's the place to release a book about 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 Newcastle. And you know, actually, the market up here there wasn't. Not, nothing like this had been done, really. There'd been other books about Newcastle United. But the premise of players telling the stories of their favourite games hadn't been done. And with Alex, he had a few good contacts to get the ball rolling. And that helped. So he, he was able to put me in touch with a couple of players who we spoke to. So I think the first person I did was Warren Barton. Yeah. And from there, you know, once you've got one or two under your belt, it became a lot easier to get the, to, to get the ball rolling and to... to um, to attract people into doing it <clears throat> and so that's it, it just went from there really so i well i, I fast forward a bit then i so after being getting off the plane i messaged him saying quickie what do you think newcastle united match of my life question mark and he said i like it i'll ask the publisher he sent the publisher a whatsapp message he's friends with the guy who owns pitch publishing which is oh, yeah, the yeah. publishing house that that produces a lot of sports books and did this one and the guy just messaged back saying yeah as long as you can get your names, as long as you can get the players, for example, Shearer, we always needed to get Shearer. Yeah. Uh, then, 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 then yeah, we'll do it for you. And that was it, really. And for the last year, it's been a real roller coaster. It's just been incredible. You know, we've literally got the creme de la creme of players that we've spoken to, and it's been amazing. What's your favourite story? My favourite story from the book. Yeah. What's your favourite chapter? Um. So there were a few. So I did. I think. I did around 13 of them and Alex did the remaining chapters. Oh, yeah. So there are, there are a few that I was really keen to, to do. So one player that I always wanted to get from the very beginning was Jonas Gutierrez, because as I said, I'm, I'm not, an, I'm not a Newcastle fan. I'm an Arsenal fan, yeah. but I'm a football fan first and foremost. Absolutely. And, and, and as I said to you, I was a news journalist. I'm passionate about stories. And his story for me was just 
the most incredible footballing story that I'd ever uh, heard. Mm. You know, coming back from cancer to score the goal that kept Newcastle United in the Premier League. That was the, the essence of it. So actually carrying out that interview was probably my favourite to carry out. Yes. And also he was one of the last players we got and I, I spent a long time trying to find him, trying to contact him. Uh, well, I had to actually I had to do it in Spanish actually because his English wasn't great on messaging. So I was messaging him in Spanish, which I'd learned in, in secondary school. And then finally nailing him down to do the interview at, so it was for a number of reasons that was one of my favorites i also really loved doing papi cisse uh, who scored probably my favorite ever non-arsenal premier league goal which was the uh, yeah you exactly straight away you know which goal i mean um so talking to him about that was was incredible really um those two were probably my favorites to do uh another another guy who i met was um Bobby Monker, who legend. captained, yeah, a legend, captained Newcastle United to their last piece of silverware in 1969. And I went to his house to do that. And unfortunately, a lot of the interviews had to be done on the phone or via Zoom because there are the players weren't living locally anymore, really. Yeah. A few live in America, a few live you know, around the, you know, different places around the country. And Bobby Monker, um, I got a contact number for him, rang him up and just said, hi, this is what I, who I am and this is what I'm doing. Can we have a chat? And he invited me to his house so I went over to his house and he, I sat down and had about a three hour chat with him about his life and career. And that was just insane. He still had his uh, match worn shirt from the 1969 final you know, in his house. He was showing me that and I'm a sucker for a classic football shirt. Yeah. So I enjoyed seeing that and he had his little mini fairs cup trophy he got awarded. And so, so he talking to him was brilliant because of the people that he could talk about. So he was able to talk about these absolute legends of the game, whether it's Brian Clough, Jackie Charlton, Matt Busby, he talked about, you know, all these incredible names that have gone down in, in history, really. Uh, so I loved speaking to him. And he told me one of my favourite stories, which I'm happy to tell you now, if that's okay. Absolutely, yes. So when <clears throat> when they got back to Newcastle after winning the first Cup, they won it in where were they hungary yeah. and they came back and he was uh, he had the cap with a cup and he walked off the plane and they got onto a bus but um they weren't able to go onto like a big open air double decker bus because they the route they were going to take into the city was underneath a few bridges so they wouldn't have fitted so what they did was they had a small like a lower down a lower bus and they just had the roof cut off the top and he, and they just had like a wooden sort of trestle table type thing in the middle, which they were able to stand on so they could see over the top of the bus, if you see what I mean, so they could see the fans. So he was standing on that, and he was holding the cup, and they went under a bridge, and he was holding the cup up, and some some wires were dangling down from the bridge, like some electric electricity wires, and they caught on the cup. And it sent an electric shock through his body. But fortunately, because he was stood on a wooden table that cut the flow of electricity, so it didn't kill him. But if he'd been stood on anything else, it would have killed him. And and he he, he was you know obviously shaken up and took the, the cup down. The cup had a big black mark on it, like it had been singed from where the electricity cables had touched it. Uh, so I loved that story. And I'll tell one more if that's all right. You can tell 
as many stories as you like because I love listening to football stories. Newcastle <laughs> United were the first team that I saw my team, Birmingham City, play against on the wow. 15th of August, 1972. So you carry on. Oh, thank you. Well, obviously, I don't want to give away all the stories. No, of but course you don't. For, for, from writing the book, obviously, we wanted to get these stories about the games themselves, but Bobby Moncur's is, is an, ex- yeah. an exact example of what we were looking for. The games, but also the stories behind the games and just little little tales of, of what we, we call them nuggets, little nuggets of gold, yeah. that, you know, where you're looking for these little lines that no one's ever heard before. And that, that was a really, really amazing one for us to get. And I, I, I interviewed Malcolm McDonald, another legend. Yeah. And I actually took him over a copy of the book the other day because he only lives around the corner from me. So I met him in a local pub. And again, we had a chat. And he told me the story of his debut, which was a 3-2 win for Newcastle against Liverpool. And this Liverpool team containing you know, Kevin Keegan and John Toshak, these again, absolute legends. And he scored, so he scored a hat-trick that day. And towards the end of the game, he was chasing a through ball and Ray Clements came out of his box and uh, Supermac lifted the ball over Clements and Clements just studded him in the face because, yeah. as Malcolm said, um, he didn't take too kindly to having hat-trick scored against him. <laughs> and so he got knocked out cold. It was the only time in his career he ever got knocked out cold, uh, Supermac. And he woke up and he woke up um, back in the dressing room. Now, what he used to do before the games he used to have a sleep on the physio's table. So he would he would say it would help him, he would help him to relax. We'd go for a little little kip and then he'd get up and play. So he, he woke up on the physio's table and Frank Clark walked into the physio room and uh, Malcolm McDonald said, Hey Frank, I've just had the most amazing dream. I just scored I in my I, I scored a hat trick against Liverpool and Frank Clark said, Hey Bonnie lad, you did score a hat trick, you were knocked out cold. So he thought he'd dreamt the whole game. So he woke up thinking that he dreamt it. I thought that was a, a really, again, a really lovely line from uh, from Supermac. Now, you're right, because when he walked onto that pitch, he was Malcolm McDonald. When yeah. he walked off the pitch, he was Supermac. Yeah, and that's there's right. A, there's a lovely story about the song, isn't there? Supermac, superstar, how many goals have you scored so far? Yeah. Uh, and he was, I mean, Malcolm... I mean, he was like a racehorse. I mean, what a player Malcolm McDonald was. And I was fortunate to do uh, an interview with Malcolm. I do do lots of football podcasts. In fact, one of the podcasts I do is Game of My Life, where I interview players and talk about the games of their life. But it isn't just one team. It's different players that I've done Legends of the 70s um, interviews with. And then we've talked about those games. And Malcolm was one of uh, the, the people that I inter- played that that I interviewed. And what a legend he is! And when I looked at Malcolm's chapter, there was, and that's what I looked at, and that's what I loved about the book. It isn't just about the match of the life. It goes into more depth about the player as well. And I thought that was really good because you're drawing out the personality. And I remember Malcolm, you ended his chapter on when he scored five goals against Cyprus at Wembley. And that's the last time that he played at Wembley for England. But there was yeah. also a lovely little story about how Don Reavy trousered 200 quid and how the guys that, that, at Match of the Day or Sports Night um, who, who'd done the broadcast that night wasn't too happy and told Malcolm sometime after in a pub 
about what had happened and Malcolm had no idea about what had gone on that night apart from he'd scored five goals and they wonder he wondered why they blanked him after that and that was the reason why Don Revy and I love the word foisted that you mentioned in there because that's exactly the word that Malcolm used to me or said to me that Don Revy used to describe how Malcolm McDonald was foisted upon me I didn't want you. What a thing to say to a player that's going in to make his debut. It's, it's so sad, isn't it? Because it is. this is a guy who was, you know, he scored 30 goals a season for four seasons in a row or yeah. something like that. And he, if anyone deserved to get a decent England career, it was him. And he just, because of politics and yeah. personality clashes, he didn't he didn't get it. And it's just, it's really quite sad. He doesn't seem bitter about it at all, actually. He was really quite um, level-headed about it all. But he, you know, really, we as a as a as an as an England fan base deserve deserve to see more of him. <laughs> I think we've deserved to see a lot more players than than we have seen, and you know, it, it's the same now. England managers, whether it be in the seventies or now, are a little bit reticent to play players with flair. They don't like those kind of players. They don't know how to use those kind of players. Malcolm was 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 quite superb, and I love the story about with Bobby Robson in your book as well because as a young boy he was a Fulham fan and he used to chase the Fulham players and he took Bobby uh, Bobby Robson's bags all the way up to his office and many years later when Bobby signed him he said I recognise you don't I he said yes <laughs> I used yeah. to carry, I carried your books oh that's the one and then he's pretty much his last game in the seventy um, eight. Uh, final for, for Arsenal, your team, that Malcolm joined then, was against Ipswich Town, who was the manager, Bobby Robson, which was yeah. 10 years after he signed him. So football is very romantic. Football has some great stories. Asprilla, red or white? Say that again, Asprilla? Yeah. Oh, you mean, oh, it was red, the wine, Was you it mean? red? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, forgot the wine before he started. Fair yeah, plan. unbelievable. So he was one of the players that unfortunately we couldn't get hold of. I just couldn't find him. I used all my journalistic know-how to try and track him down. And then actually, after we'd, after we'd submitted the manuscript for the book, he turned up in Newcastle to do an event. And I was like, oh, if only that had happened a few months earlier, I would have gone and, I would have gone and collared him to get him to do the book. But um, yeah, he was a player that we asked a lot of other players about. So we asked everyone to give us a story about him. And yeah, he, there were a few. <laughs> and some of them, I'm guessing you couldn't actually print. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You had to had to be very careful. There were a few stories, actually, we have to be careful of. Because yes. obviously with things like this, you know, libel applies. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be quite, quite careful. We, we, you know, we were fortunately with having a, um, you know, a public, a proper publishing house behind you. They were very good with all that as well. So they would always fact check and scour everything for us. So that was really, really helpful. Frank Clark, you mentioned Frank. Um, I, I was reading that chapter. Couldn't believe how he like left Newcastle, and then Gordon Lee wanted him back, but too late. It's on for for Brian at Nottingham Forest, and and in the in the um, Malcolm McDonald, literally a reporter did ask him. Well, he said you've got a new manager, and he said you know a few names. Gordon Lee, who? And that was all over the paper warning. Gordon Lee wasn't best pleased when he saw that headline. No, he wasn't. Uh, again, that was something I spoke. To, I spoke to him about that a few, just a few days ago when I went over and dropped his book off. And he still, he was friends with the, the journalist who, who did the story, who did that story, and he didn't hold any grudges. He, he blamed the sub editor yeah. who put the headline on Gordon Who. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was the beginning of the end for Supermarket at, at Newcastle United, I think. 
And it was a wonderful story with Super Mac. I just want to just stay in the Super Mac park at the moment. When he actually signed for Newcastle, he, he arrived in a Rolls Royce. And one of the hacks had said, this is the first time I've seen a player arrive and he's signing on fee. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, I love that. I love that. And the fact he sort of went in, I think he went in and someone kind of, I think someone called him and said, um, I introduced himself and and then said, uh, you know, just play your heart out. These guys will love you. Yeah. And then at the end of the conversation said, by the way, my name's Jackie Milburn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. So, but yeah. And then Jackie Milburn took him on a little tour of uh, of the Northeast and, and you know, took him around, showed him different places. And yeah, because he was one of the first ones I did. And I'm just remembering now, he said that he took him to his hometown didn't he to like a pit or something and pointed out the window and yeah. said you know these are people who go down the pit yeah. monday to friday you know however many hours a day that's who you that's who you're playing for that's who you're you're representing when you go out there and i thought that was really again romantic and really a lovely a really what, what an image to have you know this absolute icon driving around this new boy malcolm mcdonald in the 70s uh, and taking him to a pit village just insane really Frank Clark, his goal, his second goal was against my team a couple of weeks after. So yeah, he'll be like a bus or a taxi, wait for hours, yeah. and then uh, one, two arrive at the same time. Yeah, he said it was, you know, he'd gone hundreds of games without scoring, and then, yeah, like you said, like a bus, two and two in, in the space in a few weeks. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, a, a brilliant story for for, for me to, to get. And, you know, obviously, he, he I think he's the fourth highest ever appearance maker for the tune. So to get him uh, was, was, was great. And he was such a lovely bloke and he's actually, he's coming along to our launch night. We're launching the book in, uh, in Whitley Bay on the 24th of November, where we've got a four, uh, four ex players coming down and Supermax one of them and Frank Clark's one of them too. So to get them back on the stage together would be great. Cause obviously they, you know, made quite a few appearances together too. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be lovely to, it'd be lovely to meet Frank. Cause I, I just did the interview with him over the phone and I always find that face to face and whatever, where you can do it either you know with a video call mm. or face to face in person you, you get more from them especially you know when they're, when they're over an age it's a bit more a bit, bit, bit more difficult um, but he was so forthcoming and such a it's such a brilliant memory as well so some of the players I interviewed who only retired you know, 10 15 years ago couldn't remember much about their games but yeah. he could remember a hell of a lot more than a lot of them <laughs> mind you I mean with certainly in particular that game I mean scoring his first goal and oh, where did where did you get the information from the the lineups etc and the managers from oh I, do you know what I can't it, a lot of the time so it, it varied there's a lot of very trustworthy sites that have, that have all of the games chronicled like all of the Newcastle games in history chronicled yeah. so I use them and I double check them and then for that the Premier League and league games the Premier League have their own uh, records so I'd go through the Premier League because that's obviously the most trustworthy source so it was I can't remember the individual yeah. uh, game and where I got that one from because I did quite a few and uh, but we you know we, we we had them all checked by the publishing house and everything so as I said one of the things about having the publishers there was there were a couple of times where things slipped through and they, they, they picked them up you know mm-hmm. because I think when you when you get when you spend so long working on one chapter one you know one player you can be blinded a little bit when you've just been ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Doing it for so long. Uh, and then you take someone else to pollute to, to 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 notice little little errors here or there, but they they were great actually. The uh, the publishers had someone specific whose job it is to fact check, and they were yeah really helpful. <laughs> well, Terry Curran swears blindly played in that game, oh. <laughs> and there's no mention of him because we were talking about it. Because in the book, then Frank uh, tells you the story about many years after he played with Terry Curran, an ex Doncaster Rover player at uh, Nottingham Forest. And TC, we've done this a few times on the podcast that we do the current view with uh, with Terry Curran. In fact, last this week, and he said the game was it was unbelievable. I mean, we got beat six 0 Frank Clark scored the sixth goal, and we couldn't believe the noise. The noise was deafening. It was quite incredible. It was it was quite something. So Newcastle six, Doncaster Rovers nil, and then in the third round drew Birmingham City. And uh, I think a late Trevor Francis penalty put pay to um, Newcastle's run hmm. in the League Cup. But they had a fantastic run in the FA Cup. Did Bobby Monker mention the um, Nottingham Forest game in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup in 1974? I'm trying to recall if he did or not. It was that long yeah. an interview. I don't think it went into the chapter. I had to no. cut quite a lot yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, remind me what happened in it. Uh, what happened is I'd done a, a, a Game of My Life interview with Pat Howard, who was centre-half that day. Yeah. Um, Nottingham Forest took an early lead, and I think they were 2-0, and then I think Newcastle pulled one back 2-1, and then Forest were awarded a penalty. And as Pat Howard said, Duncan McKenzie ran into our player, and I had a word with the referee, and I told him it wasn't a penalty. And the referee told him to shut up. And Pat said, I didn't. And I kept on. Ref, it's never a penalty. He said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to send you off. And he said, if you send me off, there'll be a riot here. He said, right, that's it. Sent him off. Sure enough, there was a riot. The Newcastle fans come on. Score was 3-1 at the time because Forrest had converted the penalty. They went in, they took the players off to get rid of the Newcastle players, uh, fans that were on the pitch. When they came back out, Newcastle scored in the dying minutes with a Bobby Monker goal and they knocked out Nottingham Forest 4-3. Forest put an official complaint in and the FA agreed that Forest, because of the pitch invasion, were hard done by and granted them uh, another game. Should have really gone to the city ground, but it didn't. It went to Goodison Park. Drawed nil-nil. Pat played in that game. And then in the second game, he didn't. Malcolm McDonald scored the winner. 
and that set them up with a semi-final tie against Burnley. But that was a very, very iconic uh, FA Cup game in 1974. Incredible. The game that never was, it was a void game. Yeah, I recall now, I remember him telling me about it. He didn't go into too much detail about it yeah. because we were sort of focusing on the, some, some of the other games. But he was yes, telling you, I, I remember him saying that, yeah, the game that had uh, had to be replayed. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Oh, it was quality. And, and and also as well, Newcastle in the 70s. So I, I love the 70s era. Uh, the Hereford game. I mean, yeah. what a game that was. You, I mean, Ronnie Radford, bless him. What a goal. I know it wasn't for Newcastle, but Newcastle was certainly involved in that game. Very, very much an iconic game of the 70s yeah. in the FA Cup. That's right. And yes, again, Malcolm McDonald talks about that game because he was right behind him. He was yeah. right behind the goal. So he was still trying to get back and tackle him and he just absolutely walloped it. <laughs> and he had the best view in the, in the ground, probably. Uh, he had to hear the little story that... Um, that he said that that was the game that made John Watson because John yes, Watson he did, yeah. was an up and coming commentator. Yeah, he was given, you know, was given like a, uh, a sort of the dregs, as it were, a game that was sure to be a Newcastle win, and he got you know one of the greatest goals ever scored in a massive cup upset, and that sort of made his name. I think the story was that somebody was ill who was commentating, and John Watson literally come off the subs bench. But, it, but yeah. you're right, it actually made John Watson. But Pat Howard on the pitch as the ball flew past his ear. He, he he said to me, he said, I thought, it's got half a chance at us. <laughs> he flew into the top corner. In fact, in back past the Retro Football magazine, there's a lovely picture of Pop Robson scoring against Feyenoord in 1968. Um, Pop Robson, another legend of Newcastle. What era, because you, you cover a spectrum, don't you? Uh, the oldest being Bobby Moncur. And then pretty much up to date. Did you yeah. ever think about getting Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer uh, to get talked, a chance? We talked about it. We talk, we didn't. We never approached them. We did talk yeah. about it. We were looking at speaking to another player who um, I won't name because we sort of considered that he wasn't as it wasn't it didn't have legendary status. He was playing. He was in the squad that day, and we yeah. just thought we kind of had a caliber of players that. That, that 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 were you know that are considered legends or cult heroes, and um, they were would, would have been able to talk about that that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, escapade escapade, um, but we decided against it in the end. This was right at the end, and we had all these iconic games covered, uh, so it was something we thought about. But also, I I think that it's kind of been done to death that game as well. Well, not that game, but that yes. that spectacle has been talked about loads. And I think if we were to approach either of those players and say talk about that fight again, <laughs> they probably would have told us to jog on. To be honest. So yes, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't go near that one uh, in the end. But from our point of view, we started out with a certain number of games that we wanted yeah. to have covered, and we, we got we got all of them. I think it was probably four or five that we thought those are icon- the iconic Newcastle games that we need, and we got all of them, which is that that, that kind of ticked a big box for us. And in 1974, uh, Newcastle United met their Waterloo at Wembley against Liverpool. Yeah. Again, another iconic. Uh, cup final and very much in the news because Newcastle had a purple kit and there was a, again a great story that Malcolm tells about the purple kit and how Newcastle United actually started well wore that purple kit and um, some great players that Newcastle have, have had also uh, Gaza, uh, Chrissy Waddle, Peter Beardsley any chance of a, a word from Gaza? 
So for, for Gaza, he was, I mean, Gaza is one of the players that made me fall in love with football, despite yeah, being an Arsenal fan. He was, he just, you know, I was born in 1984. He was, you know, he was an icon for me. Um, so I was always keen to get him. And we spoke to someone who used to represent him. So I managed to get hold of someone to, and sure. to, to see if they could give me a steer for how to get hold of him. And he said, look, he's just going to want, he's going to want money to do it. And at that point we didn't have any no. sort of budget. So yeah. we, we, from that point, we just thought, well, there's no point putting our eggs in that basket. We'll just head elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrissy Waddle, I approached him and he didn't want to do it, which oh, is okay. again, fair, fair enough. You know, a, a few, a, a, a few players didn't want to, I think I probably got knocked back three or four times. But as I said, we ended up with over 20 players who did want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, from our point, yeah, it would have been great to get some of these guys. But the fact we couldn't, I mean, the fact it's their prerogative. You know, they didn't, yeah. wouldn't, it's, it's, you know, I didn't really feel anything, um, any any negativity towards them. Um, and, you know, if we do do a sequel, because I think there are enough legends to go around to do a sequel, yes. then I would love to approach them again. Because I felt like... We, towards the end of the book, we just Alex and I were talking, and we felt we were a bit light on the 80s. We've got a lot of sort of 60s, yeah. 70s legends, plenty of 90s and into the 2000s, but we were a bit light on the 80s, and so that was the, our only slight regret. But it's one of those things we approached together one of the, an iconic player from the 80s who didn't want to do it, and that's fine. Um, and as I said, we ended up with more than we could have ever hoped for in terms of the caliber of player that that spoke to us. And the forward by Rafa Benitez. Yeah, amazing. So I, again, as I said to you earlier, I I speak a little Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I got hold of his agent's contact details, and I emailed him in Spanish, and said this is what we're doing. And he he emailed back to say, okay, I need a bit more information. You know, where's the book going? Who have you spoken to? When it, when will it be out? All this kind of stuff. So I replied, and he again came back to me again and said. Okay, thank you very much. I'll speak to Rafa. Hopefully, he'll do it. So I left it at that. Thought, oh, brilliant. Okay, and then it was the next day. Actually, I was sat uh, in my spare room slash office, and I got a phone call, and it was a withheld number. And I thought oh, it's going to be someone trying to tell me, you know, um, do some sort of uh, car claim cash back thing or something. Uh, I thought, oh, God, well, I'll pick it up. Picked it up. And it was Rafa. <laughs> he, just, he just rang me up. Like, oh, hello. And um, so I did the interview with him there and then. And it was just, it was brilliant. And I tell you what, what a guy he is. Yeah. What a lovely man. Mm. Who, you know, I, I said to him, this is one of my favourite things from this whole process. I said to him, I just wanted to say, first of all, um, Mr. Benitez, thank you so much for this. And he said, Jake, 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 call me Rafa. And I, that was for me was just like, what a, what a guy. Just, you know, don't call me Mr. Benitez. Call me Rafa. That's who I am. You know, ordinary guy. Who just happens to be a football manager and it was he chatted to me about mike ashley talked to me about why he stayed at the club and went down with them and coming back up and why he left and why he didn't take the job when um you know when the uh when it was bought by when the club was bought a couple of years ago because yeah. he was in the frame for that so he sort of spilled the beans on that a little bit he was brilliant really great guy to talk to well, you do find that when you talk to, you know, football players and football managers are no different from us football fans. The only thing is they were just much, much better at football and, <laughs> you know, than, than what, what we are or, or certainly were. But, you know, I've, I find we're talking to so many of the former players. They just love talking about the game of football and, and it brings back some fantastic memories. Uh, another memory, uh, the board kicker, Ketspire. <laughs> I mean, he was a right... 
character, wasn't he? Good player as well, Ketsbyer. He was, and Alex spoke to him, and one of the lines that came out from, from that was that he just really regretted doing that, yes. the board kicking, because you mentioned his name, that's what people will think of, but he was a very, very good player, and I think that he thinks that some of his contributions are forgotten about because of that celebration, which was just a complete outburst, wasn't it? But again, he was one of the players we really, really wanted because we've obviously got like legends in terms of players who've you know, gone to, you know, achieved a lot with the clubs or played a lot of caps. And Ketspire is one of those cult heroes that we wanted who will always have that kind of cult hero status. And we did get him. And that, so that was great. I think he was, I'm not sure if he still is, but he was managing the Cypriot team, I think. Okay. Yeah, so that's how we got hold of him. Again, Alex, Alex, Alex did him. Got managed to get his contact details. So it's very helpful having a you know someone who's working within the you know, sports journalism industry because he does have a few contacts. But for for me, it was I enjoyed trying to track people down. So just using my journalistic skills, these yeah. parts of my brain that have been a bit probably been a bit uh, redundant for the past few years, and just finding these players, getting hold of them, convincing them, and then doing the interviews and then writing up their words. It's been a real, that process gives you a real sense of satisfaction. I'm getting from you that you would like to get back into this football journalism and writing a few more <laughs> no. books. You've got the book again now, haven't you, Jake? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, the thing is, this yeah. is what's, what steered me away from journalism was I, I, I did a lot of news stuff as well, and it was you know, a lot of negative news cells, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So it was a lot yes, of negativity with what I did, mm. uh, you know, and everything that goes on in the world. I didn't really want to keep my head in that, but I do love sport. I love yeah. football and I love writing about it. And so, yeah, I would love to write another book and I've got a few ideas for, 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 for roads I could go down with it. And hopefully that they'll be attractive. there will be an attractive position to, you know, a publisher or if, if, if they're not, maybe I'll look at self-publishing, but I feel like, you know, this has been a big achievement for me because it's always been something I wanted to do. And so to have the, I mean, obviously to have the idea of doing it and then to see it through and to finally hold the book in my hand has mm. been one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest achievements I've, I've, I've made in my life. And I'm quite proud of myself for it. And I think I'm hoping that I can, you know, moving forward, do something else, that's a, something else similar. I think you should be proud of it because it's a fantastic book. Uh, pitch Publishing are, in my opinion, the number one publishers of football not just football but they do other sports books as well um i mean it is a work of art i love the artwork on the front and also the back and it's usually somebody from pitch that designs the the artwork is that yeah. this case in your book it, it is they yeah. design the other but yeah. what was really nice mm. was that we were giving the we were given the freedom to to put in the pictures of the players that we wanted so yeah. Basically, they said to me, "We've got a, we've got accounts with you know Alamy or Getty or whoever it was. Yes, go and find them on the websites and find the pictures you want to use." So there was still a lot of we still had a lot of creativity in the process. Yeah. So the the, the the pictures that you see on the front cover and the back cover and um and on you know each player's got their own picture for their chapter. I I did all those. I picked them out and then someone at Pitch who has a design skills needed put them all together and made this beautiful looking book. So. Yeah, it was a it was a nice uh, it was a really really lovely thing to be able to do was to actually have a bit of creative control as well. And a lovely picture on the back with Bobby Monker sitting next to the 
uh, in City's first cup. And, and Joe Harvey, what a fantastic yeah. manager of Newcastle United Joe was. And uh, I didn't realise until I started doing these podcasts and talking to Pat that Keith Birkinshaw was his, was his assistant then that went on to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, that's right. And And again, every player from that era that I spoke to were just wax lyrical about him. Yeah. And Super Supermac was only saying the other day he reckons he should get a statue somewhere at St James's Park. Was he? Yeah, I mean he achieved a lot with that club, and uh, you know, uh, for me it's been a learning curve as well because this is this is you know 50, 60 years ago. So mm. uh, so for me it's been a lot of finding out a lot about these guys and and things I didn't know before, and really coming to you know find a lot of respect for some of these these players and managers that that we've spoken to or heard about. So that's been a really interesting thing to do. And yeah, some of the stories about Joe as well were, were great. And and he came out of it, you know, smelling of roses, really, to be honest. He was, seemed like a really, really good guy and a real football man. Again, growing up in the 70s, you know, you, you kind of always remember your first uh, Newcastle players or your Newcastle manager. And Joe Harvey was that manager. Um, great players that they've had in the past, logs of Stuart Barraclough and John Tudor and Net Jinky. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Smith, what a player Jimmy Smith was. Absolutely. Yeah, and again, what we wanted to get were these players that we spoke to talking about these guys. Yeah. So, yeah, players like Terry Hibbert and oh, really, really amazing players that, again, I didn't know too much about, but oh. it's been a real process finding out about these these guys and and really you know, finding these old YouTube clips and trying to you know watch them play and it just... It's, it's amazing, really, watching these guys and how different football was, but how, you know, these pitches, how different they were and the balls and how heavy they were. But the, and these guys were just like players like Terry Hibbert just gliding across the pitch with the ball, just making it look easy. Absolutely. And, and guys, check out that pass in 1974 uh, with uh, Terry a bit when he pinged ping the ball straight through to Malcolm McDonald against Burnley. I mean, Terry was a genius of a player, as was Tony Green. And sadly, Tony's career got got cut short uh, through injury. But Newcastle have had some fabulous players. And uh, you've done them very proud with this wonderful book, you and Alex. And the only thing that I would say with TalkSport, and I do listen to TalkSport every day, I'd love to hear a little bit more historical content on TalkSport. I'd love to, on Match of the Day, see a lot more historical content and football focus, etc. And that's what I've loved about this book. You brought some fantastic historical content to life and people, fans, can read about their heroes of today and pay honour and tribute to their heroes of yesteryear because the club today is what it is because of those stars of the past. Absolutely, and I, and I concur. You know, I've I've got a passion for history as well as football. So this this book brought together my two greatest passions, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I completely agree. I'll, I'll have a word with Alex and tell him they they need to get some more historical stuff on there. Uh, you know, it's I think a lot of a lot of talk sport is. You know, there's a lot of controversy on there. People voicing their opinions yep. and things like that, and they get people. That's how you get people calling in, isn't it? You get you yes, someone. Mm-hmm. You get Gabby Agbonahor saying something about someone, and then everyone else gets annoyed about it and calls in, and that's just how that's how that works. Um, but yeah, I think that if there was more, yeah, you know, reviewing of old games, you know, like an on this day feature or yep. something like that, then yeah, I completely, I completely agree. 
uh, as, and as I said, I, I just I love looking back into history and mixing history and football. We just couldn't get anything um, anything sexier to me. To be honest, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm a subscriber to Backpast Magazine as I am yeah. with when Saturday comes, and and I just love the game of football. And I would love to have, you know, one or two of the guests on TalkSport, some of our heroes of yesteryear, just reminiscing about some of the games. Uh, yeah. I mean, Alan Brazil, wonderful, legendary presenter. I, I think it would go great with uh, with Brazil for uh, a nice little five-minute chat about a game or a match of their lives. So can I thank you, sir, so much for your time. Thank you for sending me a copy of your book as well. It really is much appreciated. And uh, where can people get this book from if they're not going to turn up at your live event amazon is usually the place that i access uh, books from i know people say and other stores are available yes we know they yeah. are but what's the easiest way to get the book and what what way gives you more money in your pocket to access <laughs> this book as well well that's a good question so yeah it is on it is on amazon and it is the easiest way to get it um it, it's a bit cheaper on amazon which actually means i get it i get a little bit less money but to yeah. be honest this whole thing hasn't been about money for no, me it no. really is you know i'm sure you do plenty of what you do not for money but for this is the love of the game and for the Alex, love of what you do i haven't earned a penny from sorry <laughs> sorry jake i haven't earned a penny from any of the stuff that i've done over the last 10 years I just love the game of football there and I go. love bringing stories to life about my heroes when I was growing up as a kid. Yeah, um, exactly. And that was why I wrote this. It wasn't yeah. for money. Um, so you can get it on Amazon. You can get it um, You can get it from Waterstones. You certainly can in the northeast, or you can order it to your Waterstone store. Uh, there's places like WH Smith's, Hive.co.uk, Blackwell's Bookshop, and I believe it's going to be an ebook as well. It's not out on ebook yet. That's something I need to chase. But I read a lot of my fiction through ebook, so I think that we'd be missing a trick if it wasn't uh, didn't go out onto Kindles. Hopefully that does. And finally, your handles, your pages. How can people look up with you and say, Jake, I've just bought your book. It's a fantastic read, and um, when you're doing your next one, pal, how can people <laughs> do that and, and link up with you, Jake? Oh, thank you for, for, for the opportunity to, to, to say. Um, I've got a match of my life, uh, an, an NU, it's a NUFC match of my life Instagram page and Facebook page. And I'm on Twitter as well. Just uh, I'm trying to think, I've got two, I'm just trying to think, I've got two, uh, two, two handles. I'm just at Jake Rusby. That's me. Yeah. That's my. Um, that's my working sort of journalist handle. I've also got a private account, but that's the one in which I sort of tweet about the book. And yeah, so you can find me, as I said, at Jake Rusby or Match of My Life on Instagram or Facebook. And that's where you can get updates about the book, places to buy it, little snippets of stories, all those kind of things. Fantastic. Can I thank you so much, sir, for your time and all the very best going forward. And anything, your next projects, please keep in touch. We'll do another podcast and we'll help you and promote you all we can. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. You know your stuff, don't you, Paul? It's been a real pleasure to talk to someone who, who really knows the game. Well, I just love the game of football. It is there a beautiful go. game, isn't it? And, and pass on my regards to uh, to Alex and, and all at Talk Sport as well. Thank you. I will do that. Lovely. Thanks, Jake. Cheers, pal. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Paul. Ta-ra, mate. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Talk 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.